I was I was still thinking about how we just got done celebrating the resurrection and how that is to be constant on our mind. And I was thinking through and the the change that that makes in our life of knowing that Christ is risen. And then as we we come and are celebrating Randy's life and how the resurrection has changed how we view death. We do not grieve as those that have no hope. And I thought, okay, Lord, what do you want me to share now from your word? Uh, After celebrating that, after uh, celebrating Randy's life, and I was directed to the book of Acts, and I began reading through the book of Acts, and thinking about the change that happened in their lives, seeing the risen Christ. And how we know that when Christ was crucified, that they kind of, their lives fell apart for a little while, for a couple days. And they were scattered. And and we know how uh, Peter denied the Lord. And we know how they were were lost. um, Which happens so often out of uh, when you lose a loved one. There's those moments of, okay, where do we go from here? You know, who's going to take the place that they had? And especially when it came to the Christ. Man, here we had these visions of what he was going to do, and now where are we? And I was brought then to the book of Acts, and and you see the transformation in the lives of the followers of Jesus Christ. After seeing the risen Lord, their lives were completely transformed from not knowing where to go from saying, no, I'm not with him. You're confused. No, I told you I'm not, I'm not a part of that, those crazies who are following him to now the point where we know that um, almost every one of them gave their life for the cause of Christ. And we come now to Acts chapter four. Uh, Before this, we see uh, the Holy Spirit had come upon them. People were getting saved. In chapter 3, we see, and I can't read that passage without almost singing the kid's song of Peter and John went to pray. If if you've been in a kid's class, taught a kid's class, you've sung that song, and they went walking and leaping and praising God. That was in chapter 3. Now, all of this had been going on. They had seen the lame man healed. They had seen people getting saved. And... Now we come to chapter 4. And in verse 1 it says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas and the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in their midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel 
that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which, the, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could not say anything against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word tonight, I pray that you would uh, guide us through it and in it, that uh, your spirit would, would be our teacher, that you would guide my words, that they would glorify your name, and uh, that through our time together we might be the people that you designed us to be. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As I was reading this passage, there was one verse that really stuck out to me, and it's verse 13. So I was thinking about how the, how the apostles, how Jesus' followers had been lost when he had been killed, then transformed when they saw him risen, and it says, now when they saw the boldness of them, they marveled because they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And that popped out to me, that phrase right there. They realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that these men, their lives had been transformed. Where are they getting this authority that they are speaking with? Where are they getting this power that they are speaking with? Where are they getting this knowledge of of the Bible. Where are they getting this? And it said that they, they realized that they had been with Jesus. And truly, Peter would be the first to acknowledge that because of walking with Jesus, not only before, but after the resurrection, his life had been transformed. So, I was thinking, what would people say, or who would people say, we remind them of? As they look at our life. If you spend a lot of time with someone, you start to pick up some of the same habits that they do if you're not careful. Maybe some of the weird sayings that they have. Um, if you've ever gone to another country and been there for even a little while, you, you almost find yourself talking with a little bit of an accent without even thinking about it, and then you, you catch yourself like, what am, why did I just say that? that? I never say that. Why did, because as you spend time with someone, you, t you start to pick up some of their habits, some of their good ones maybe, some of their bad ones. But if people were to be around us, would they say, wow, there is someone that walks with Jesus. There is someone that is picking up the lifestyle of Jesus. 
And we see that being with Jesus brought great boldness to Peter and to his followers' life. They were asked, by what power have you done this? Or with what power do you speak? And they said, it is the name of Jesus Christ. And in verse 12, no other salvation in any other name under heaven, but through Jesus Christ. What do you say? From my relationship with Jesus Christ, I now stand before you. I was the one that was denying Jesus in the streets. But now I speak before you with great boldness. That ought to be convicting to each of us. Am I bold in my declaration of what Christ has done? Am I bold in my declaration of what Christ has done? Or am I afraid to speak? Am I ashamed to share how God has transformed my life and what he is doing? Well, you say, well, I'm just trying to live before them and that by my good deeds they will see. Well, that, that's, that's good. We ought to be doing that. But Jesus' followers did not just say, well, we're just trying to live a good life and, you know, we'll win them over with our kindness. And No, they were bold in their declaration of Jesus Christ. Peter stood before them and he was not ashamed of the gospel. He knew the power that was evident in his life. So, being with Jesus brings boldness to declare the truth. Being with Jesus brings power. These rulers came to them and they said, How have you done this, that this person that has been lame is made whole and stands before us today? And Peter did not say, Well, if you pay me some money, I'll give you some lessons and, and maybe... No. He gave all the glory to God because he said, the power belongs to him. Now, I am not saying today that you ought to be going around and and healing people like we see on TV sometimes. But are you seeing the power of God at work in your life? As I was looking at this earlier, this paper that was handed out, I was thinking, one of the questions, do you try to control your thoughts and turn them into biblical thoughts? Right there. Do you see the power of God at work in your life in controlling your thoughts? You know what? The way that I used to think, I don't think anymore. Walking with Jesus, being with him, your thoughts will be transformed because the power of God is working in you. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit should be working in you. That thought you're thinking right now, it's not pleasing to me. You shouldn't be be thinking on that. You ought to test every thought. So do you see the power of God evident in your life from your walking with Jesus? But then being with Jesus makes you more like him. In Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, depending on what your hobby is, if you have a hobby, you've probably watched 
some YouTube videos along the way of how to pick up some, some tips, of how to do it better. Um, maybe if, if you enjoy sports, you're watching, how can I do this better? Uh, if you are a golfer, you might get Golf Digest magazine, and in there it will tell you, they'll give you break breakdown pictures of, do this with your swing, and it will help you hit it five or ten yards longer. Normally it just ends up like messing you up and you go all over the place. But they're trying to help you. And uh, we, we look at examples of things that we're trying to accomplish, and we look at them and we say, okay, what is it that they're doing that make, that's making them successful? Uh, the video we watched tonight. People look at, probably look at her and, well, that must be nice to have a job like that. I wonder how she, she managed to do that. Well, it was a lot of hard work. We look at examples of people that we want to copy and we say, okay, what is it that they're doing that helps them to be successful? Do we take that same passion in knowing Jesus and saying, what is it I can learn more about him? As you're getting ready for Wednesday study and thinking about, what have I learned about God in this study? That's really what we're asking of, what is it that you see about God that maybe you either you didn't know before or your understanding has increased that you can better understand him to try to make your life more like Christ, more Christ-like. So being with Jesus makes you more like him. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or follow me as I follow Christ. As I'm copying Christ, copy me. Our chief example is Christ, though. So how is it that we need to be like Jesus? Well, first of all, this, this paper is a, a good start to that. You already have a good start. But we ought to be like Jesus in humility that we heard about this morning. No matter where you are in life, in your spiritual walk, I think it's safe to say that we all have room for improvement in this area of humility. If the Son of God came and did not come to be served, but to serve, I know we all have room for improvement in this area. I was thinking about how Jesus got down and washed the disciples' feet. I was going to bring a bucket of water, but it, I didn't want it to be frozen, and so I decided not to tonight. But the job of washing the feet was not even for the normal house servant. It was for the lowest of low. And Jesus came and he humbled himself and he served. Humbled himself and served. Are you like Jesus in humility? In getting down and serving others? As was mentioned earlier, it's been, it's been in the difficulty of it, it's been neat to see the church come together and serving the McLaughlin family. 
as difficult as it has been, it, that's been a very bright spot of seeing everybody come together. Is there anything that we need? People asking, what can we do to help out? Do we have the humility of Jesus Christ? Being with him, we will take on his humility. Being with Jesus, like Jesus, in loving righteousness and hating wickedness. In loving righteousness and hating wickedness. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with oil of gladness more than your companions. Do you take a stand for what is right and take a stand against what is wicked? As I was thinking about that, I thought, well, it's easy to get behind things that we all agree on that are very wicked. But as we heard this morning of pride, that's not I don't take quite as strong of a stand of pride in my own life as I do of wickedness in front of me. So do I love righteousness and hate wickedness, not in the people around me, but in my own life? Or do I make excuses as to why maybe I have this area of sin and wickedness? But Jesus loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Are we like Jesus in surrendering to God's will? In surrendering to God's will. Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But this idea of a living sacrifice completely surrendered to God's will. And we really see Jesus' complete surrender as he prayed in the garden in Luke chapter 22 when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. As we've been looking at 1 Peter, and it's talking a lot about suffering. And as you review, that's a constant in 1 Peter of suffering. Most of us, when we experience suffering in our life, however extreme it might be, our initial reaction is maybe to try to flee from it, to say, why me? Why is this happening? But as we are completely surrendered uh, to his will, we know that everything is coming from his hand. A.W. Tozer said, When I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. I think it was A.W. Tozer. It could have been somebody else. It probably was before him. But he said, When I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more like Christ, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. Think about that. Everything happening in your life, God is using to make you more like him. Even in the suffering that you are going through, maybe there's areas that he is wanting you to surrender your will to him. To pray, not my will, but thine be done. We've touched on this briefly, but being more like Christ, 
in the way that we serve, how Christ came not to serve, uh, not to be served, but to serve. And in Philippians, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, that he came not to be served, but to serve. And who is it in your life that maybe you have trouble serving? We don't have trouble serving people that really appreciate it, that we know are going to, oh, that is so nice of you. I really enjoyed that. It makes us feel good. It makes us, when they pat us on the back, oh, you're so one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm so, that, this is so great. But who is it that maybe rubs you the wrong way? Maybe you just have trouble seeing eye to eye with them. That God says, I want you to serve them. This is our test of humility. Are we going to humble ourselves and serve? Are we going to take on Christ-likeness? Or are we going to, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to serve them. They don't deserve it. Who is it that Christ wants you to serve? Then, the more that we are with Jesus, the more we will learn to love like he does. You can't talk about God's love without going to John 3.16. That God so loved you and I that he gave his only begotten son. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking of many times we, we look to God, we look to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, rightfully so, but I was thinking of the Father's sacrifice on the cross. And as Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, will you let this cup pass from me? I was thinking of the heart of the Father, of hearing that from a son. And think about your son asking you, or your child asking you. And the love that God the Father has for you and I, that put his only begotten Son, through that, so that we could have fellowship restored with Him. That should cause us to be filled with constant rejoicing that, that God would do that when we were in rebellion and hatred to Him. So that is the love that we're, we are looking at, and that is the love that we are watching the YouTube video on over and over again, trying to imitate. Okay, this is how God loves. Okay, I'm going to go try it. And we fall flat on our face. Okay, this is the love that God... Okay, I'm going to go try it. And we improve a little bit on it and then fall flat on our face. Okay, what's that, what's that love that I'm supposed to be looking at? What am I supposed to... What's the love I'm supposed to be showing to my family, showing to people? Oh, man, I'm not there. Okay, let's go back out. Let's try it again. Uh, maybe I'm the only one that's ever watched a YouTube video of like trying to fix something and you, you go back and you watch it and you go back. Okay, that, I'm not doing something right here because it's not working still. We need constant reminders. Okay, this is the love that God has shown me. How am I showing that to others? And then the more we are with Jesus, the more we cannot help but talk of him. When you are around somebody that you love 
spending time with. You love talking and about things that you've maybe done together, of things, uh, maybe places that you've gone together, of, of things about them. And that's what was happening with Peter. He could not contain himself in sharing with others of what Christ has done and what, what Christ meant to him. So much so, as we mentioned, that many of his of the disciples ended up giving their life for Christ. In the end of chapter 4, we read verse 17 where the rulers came and said, okay, we can't deny that a miracle happened here. It's evident to everybody because here's this guy standing and he's never done that before. So let's just threaten them and maybe that will quiet him down, which we know did not happen. But in Chapter 4 and verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, so here they are praying. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, they prayed for boldness. To continue to speak. They did not say, Lord, would you please help their, their threats that they make against us to fall apart and that we would, be, we would be safe as we share. Nope, they said, Lord, would you please give us the boldness to continue to proclaim the truth. So as I started out, it was evident that these men had been with Jesus. When people examine your life, when they spend a little time around you, do they say, man, you remind me of someone. Who is it that you remind me of? Do you remind them of the love that God has for us? Do you remind them of the humility that Jesus showed? Do you remind them of the serving that Jesus gave us the example of? Would, would they say of you, oh, I got it now. I read, about, I read about Jesus or I heard about Jesus and I can tell you've walked with Jesus. Would they say that about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for not only the impact that we see in the apostles' lives of what the resurrection did of knowing that you had conquered death um, in giving them boldness to proclaim the truth. But I thank you that that same power is at work today. And as we submit to you, you desire to work in us the same way in proclaiming the truth and showing love in suffering well that you desire to use us in the same way. So, Lord, I pray that we would be willing vessels, that we would uh, humble ourselves, that we would be good students of your word and of you, and we would look to you as our main example of how to live day to day and how to treat our family and how to treat our co-workers and how to treat our neighbors and how to treat the authorities over us. So, Lord, we need your, your power, your strength in this to do 
uh, what your word has commanded us. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.